All right, so we are finally back. It is the whole family. Everybody's around the table. Nobody's hitting the snooze button, leaving phones and ice cream trucks. No, we're all here tonight, and we're proudly brought to you by Muskoka Spray Foam Insulation and Highland Custom Builders, your vision built custom. Shutting it out. Jen, how's everything going tonight for you? Really good. There's a hockey game about to start. <laughs> and Kyle, my buddy, how's everything treating you tonight? Well, it's been a good weekend, and uh, yeah, there's hockey on, so uh, it can't be uh, too bad. How are you guys doing? You know what? Not too shabby. You know, kind of long weekend of work. The wife owns a wedding flower business, so we've been hopping. Everything's starting to open back up here in Nova Scotia, so everything's starting to roll. But you know what? You'll take it and make hay where the sun shines, I guess as they say. Yes, sir. So I got to ask you guys, we're down to four teams, obviously, you know, Dallas and Vegas went at it last night, and you have the Islanders and Tampa kicking off tonight. What do you guys think of the final four? Jen, I'll start with you. Um, Jesus, I'm not interested at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie; like I watched the first round, pretty much most of it, kind of, and then I just that's it. I'm not interested. I wasn't interested to begin with. I mean, I think the whole thing's a joke. I've said it before. But, um, yeah, it's just, it just doesn't feel like the hockey game. So I haven't missed a, a playoff game in, like, 25 years. So this year it's just yeah, not it's, for me. It's <laughs> Well, I mean, it's a completely different animal, and I can actually agree with you. Kyle, I've told you this, you know, as a recent last episode. I haven't watched a whole lot. I've kept up on everything. You know, I've, I've read the articles. I've watched the whatever you want to call them, post-game, pre-game videos and all that jazz. But I haven't really sat down and put my teeth into a game, I'd say, probably since the Leafs went out. You know, and it's not that I don't enjoy hockey. It's just, for whatever reason, I just can't wrap my head around the whole fact of watching it in summer. Now, if the Leafs were still in, maybe I'd be a lot more dedicated and die-harding. But I don't know. I'm just reading the news and seeing everything that's going on, and it's kind of weird, you know, teams being able to do all these different things while other teams are still playing, and we'll get into that. But... Kyle, what do you think? What do you think of the Final Four, my friend? Well, I mean, the teams are interesting. Uh, Dallas and the Islanders and Vegas and, and uh, Tampa Bay. I mean, well, Tampa Bay, team you can see being there. But um, for, for most of it, I mean, it, it's interesting, but it's it's nothing that's going to, you know, draw my attention away from something else that's going on. Um, just like you guys, uh, I haven't been able to get into it really. Uh, I sat down and watched a bit of a game here and a bit of a game here. I watched a bit of a game last night between uh, between Vegas and uh, the Islanders. It was, uh, it was uh, I mean, I don't even, was it, was it Vegas and, uh, sorry, I said Vegas and Dallas. <laughs> That's how much you're not watching games. <laughs> Vegas and Dallas, sorry. I watched a bit of it. I watched the first goal and that was about all that happened, so I didn't miss much. But um, it was, uh, it's not very interesting. Uh I can't really say I've been too tired into it, but uh, I like you, I keep up on it. So, you know, for me, I'll see what happens when the Stanley Cup final rolls around. with whoever's in it, I'm really hoping it's Vegas versus Tampa. I don't want to see the Islanders there. Obvious reasons for Leaf fans, but um, you know, I wanted Philly to move on. Jen, I know you didn't want them to, but I wanted them simply just to knock off the Islanders, just because I'm sick of Islanders fans already. But you know, I look at it like this. This has been an, an experiment. It's been something different. It's been, you know, a tournament with no fans and piped-in music and piped-in fan noise and different things that we're not used to. And I, I don't know, maybe you're just it's the, the hockey psyche that we all have that we're so conditioned to watch hockey until the middle of June and then basically talk about and surmise about what your team's going to do until puck drop in October. And it just feels weird that they're going to be concluding everything in October and then jumping into the new season tentatively on December 1st. You know, it just, it doesn't feel right. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just because we're so conditioned and, and into routine of watching what it is that this doesn't feel like, it feels like a summer tournament. And, you know, even when the, uh, whatever you call it, the World Championships are on, you know, when the boys go over in Canada usually wins and all that fun stuff. I mean, I don't pay attention to much of that until the end of it either. So maybe I'm guilty for doing that. No, it's just horrible. It's the whole. It's, it's, it, you say we're conditioned, but I mean, I'm conditioned for playoff hockey. I don't care what month it comes in. I want, I want what I'm used to when I watch playoff hockey. You know, like all both teams, all teams, balls to the wall, going hard. I mean, when you see a team like Washington just kind of like pussy foot through it, and you're like, what is this? This is this isn't playoff hockey. 
you know what I mean? So, um, and like with Pittsburgh too, like it's a tremendous team. It's just kind of like, we're like, oh, meh, should we play today? We could play. You know what I mean? It just wasn't the same intensity. Some teams, don't get me wrong, um, wanted to be there, want to be there, and they're still there because of that desire. But I just, I think that, like I said, it doesn't matter what month it comes in. It comes down to the, the emotion and the passion that the players, the players show on the ice that keeps me interested. And I was, I wasn't interested. Like I said, halfway through round one, I was done. Do you think for a lot of these guys in college, I'll get you into this one first, you know, not having the fans there, not having all those different things that go into playoffs to drive the intensity, whether it's the big hit, the big power play goal, or, you know, the opposing fans booing you and all that stuff that goes into it. Do you think not having that there has led to a, a less intensity, uh, you know, product in the playoffs? Well, yeah, and, and that was one of, one of the points I was going to make about how how it's been so dull, and that's it. And, and even as a player, you know, you can get into a game after the game gets going, and you're gonna you're gonna find a way to get some intensity and and, and get it done. And but I mean, the, the the atmosphere of having you know your building packed, the home game, uh, people banging on the glass, you know, you can't hear yourself think, uh, all those things, you know, they build up that excitement, they build up that. That, that emotion in a player. I mean, uh, when you lay a big hit, don't tell me, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, Charlie lays a big hit and the whole, the whole boss is everybody nuts. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, it's, it, 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 it gets you fueled up to go, to go harder and want to play harder, right? So, to not have that, I mean, a lot of guys probably, you know, they'll find a way to get it going, but it's not what it, what it usually is. Just like Jen said, uh, it's just, it's not the same. It's just, you can't, you can't mimic it. There's no way to mimic it. And uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I was talking about with a friend earlier today about the NFL and how they're going to pipe noise into the stadiums. Um, think about how teams are going to, you know, be affected by not having that original crowd noise. Because no matter what, you can't, you can't, you can't mimic it. So um, it's, it's, it's different. And I think it takes a lot out of the players and, and, their, and their emotion, like Ben said, and the drive to want to want to wanna play. And we've seen it in some teams, like she said, um, you know, the Washington and other teams too. They just... It seemed like they just didn't care, and it didn't matter. It was just a tournament. It was whatever. They were going to go home and, and get back to their families and enjoy their summers. So um, it, it does suck. Uh, I, I, I'm i not a big fan of it, and I really think it has taken away from the gameplay all in all. What do you say, Jen? Do you think that not having those things you know, readily available like fanfare and all that kind of different stuff? I, I don't think that. I don't really agree. It's like 10% maybe. It's not up to the fan, fans to, to drive the players. This is their job. They're professionals. Um, as an athlete myself, um, when I used to compete, I would not even hear the fans. I would only hear my coach or my teammates, right? So I don't know uh, for hockey players if they have that same kind of tunnel vision where they can zone out, uh, tune out everything. Of course, a percentage of it will build. Like, I mean, a big hit, everyone's on their feet, or uh, a good fight, everyone that changes the momentum. Fans do have effect to a certain extent, but I, I think it was more just the, the concept and the 24 teams and um, – it was just, it was just wasn't what they're used to, and then being plopped into one city like they're, you know, in Bantam hockey again at a tournament two hours out of their home city. It just, but it was just wasn't what anyone wanted. And this kind of moves going towards this next season being in a bubble. How I, how I don't think it's going to work. But I'll let you. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, no, we'll, we'll segue right into that right away. But before I jump into that, I'll say this. I mean. I'm a huge fan of lacrosse. Obviously, do a lot of work with the the Halifax Thunderbirds and the National Lacrosse League, and getting to talk to each and every player. They say for them, and now this may be different for each and every different athlete, but every player that I've spoken to, they say the fan noise here in Halifax is different, and it gets them pumped up, it gets them amped. They listen to it, they drive off it, they feed off it. So, hearing it from them, and I mean, I know a lot of players say the same thing as you, Jen, that they don't hear it, they zone out, they just worry about the game. But you know, it's different from sport to sport, athlete to athlete, and whatever works for you and drives you is what it does but I think having the whole mixture of everything where you do travel and you do go to the different cities and you do see the different fan bases the home ice advantage and all that different stuff I think that all plays into that going back to the uh, organic feel of the original 16 teams in the playoffs not 24 you know the fanfare everything that goes into it the whole shebang and it's so different that players and teams are just like meh some of these guys are here who shouldn't be here and you heard the barking and crying from some of the squads and stuff like that, but to talk about next season and going into you know potential for bubbles for each different division or having travel but only allowing 
zero fans to start, then 25, then 50, then 75, and hopefully back to full capacity, which I don't think we'll see to a vaccine, you know, it's still going to be different next year. And reading, you know, and, and trying to do as much prep as I can for this one subject, you know, they're already talking about walking back the 82 games and bringing it down to, I heard, 70, 65, one GM said 63, um, whatever works for each squad. And, I mean, if they're already talking about walking it back and extending the length of the season into the summer again, I'm wondering, again, do you compromise the next season? So there's so many things that we don't know. And Bill Daly said it's premature to talk about anything. But really, if you're a team that is not in the playoffs now or one of those seven teams that weren't included in the 24 you're sitting and wondering, okay, what's going to happen? What are we going to do? And what is the plan? And now things are coming out. You have to wonder where it's going to fall. And I don't want it to fall on the four hubs. But again, if we don't have a vaccine, I want everything to be as safe as possible. And if you look at the MLB and you look at other team sports that are doing travel, there are positive cases. And what do you do to a season? Do you do what the MLB did and just cancel those games and not have them played until everyone is tested negative again? I mean, it's just so many different things that we don't know about that we can't obviously surmise what they're going to do. But in a perfect world, and Jen, I'll get you to answer it first because we were just talking about this a second ago. What do you think is a perfect world for the NHL to get next season going? And what is a good number so it doesn't seem so condensed and, again, fake? Honestly, I, I, don't, I don't even know. I, I, it's... So frustrating to think about this because hockey starts in October, right? So now yep. we're thinking, okay, we're going to start in December and we're going to have a full season or maybe a limited season and end um, usually when we would normally end. Okay, so how do we decide that and how do we decide um, how how, how de- is that determined? Is that determined by the, the GMs or you know um, the, the media people? Like this is this is why we should never have done this tournament. We should use all these months. I guess what's what's it been five months since March since everything shut down and, and still figure out how to make the hockey season go on for next season. Um, I, I'm frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kyle, what do you think, man? What, what do you, what is the perfect scenario here? And I mean, I'll, I'll say this before you jump on just for a second. You look at the MLB, you can use them and then you'll be able to use the NFL who have larger roster size to, uh, again, check and see, what your barometer is and what you can do and right and what you can move for players and with a positive test threshold. But Kyle, what do you think is the, the optimal number here? Well, I mean, the optimal number, it, it all depends. And I mean, uh, to get, to get a shortened season, well, full season done in a short amount of time. So suggesting the December start and trying to finish at the same time. Um, I mean, the only way you're doing that is by, you know, limiting travel and limiting, you know, the amount of time it takes for teams to go place to place and whatever. Um, so, I mean, then, yes, now you're talking about uh, hub, hub cities or hub, hub areas or regions or whatever you want to whatever you want to do. Um, either way, that sucks. And, yes, like, you know, I, I think at that point we should have, you know, I mean, it all comes down to, to money and dollars for the NHL. And, I mean, I get that's why they wanted to get back and that's why had they, they pushed to get back and they did it in the right way. But now it affects years going forward so it affects this season coming up because now we're playing a short season so now so now you're telling players to play more games less days um more traveling whatever the case less less recuperating time whatever the case may be i mean now you're now you're putting injuries everything else at risk and teams are just going to be affected down the stretch you've heard you've heard coaches say you know their team was gassed because they didn't have enough time this that whatever uh, it, it's just it, 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 it's going to affect for, for, you know, I think this year coming next and, and the one after, I mean, because you're, you're still going to have guys that are going to have the lingering effects and all that. So I don't think there really is a good number. At the end of the day, I think it's it's just you're going to have to compromise on each side on what you want to give up and what you want to be okay with. And, and eventually I think they'll, they'll find a way to get, you know, a reasonable amount of games done, whether it's 82 or whatever the case may be. Um, my my guess is you probably shorten it probably like ten games maybe um, just to give that extra bit of time in between to to do whatever. But, but you're losing two months though. That. What? You're losing oh, oh, two months. Yeah, well, that's what October, I mean, right? it doesn't make sense either way. So what do you do? That's You'd be like twenty games at least. At yeah. least they would. Yeah, lose. maybe. I guess yeah. Well, in a, in a sense, right? So, but even then, so then what's the point? Now we're running half a season. It's, 
it's kind of, kind of like, you know, we're just over half a season. It kind of just seems pointless. And yeah, but either play a half season with a tournament at the end or, you know, I don't know. I'm not the one making yeah, the decision. I mean, that, you could do that way. That's not horrible. But you can't ask players to go and reside in a different yeah, city. You can't yeah, do that. No, I don't care how much they get paid. I don't care what their lifestyle is when they're not playing. I don't give like I'm not I'm not about that. But you can't just uproot them and say this is where you're going to live now. Okay, so for instance, Toronto, your division, maybe Toronto doesn't get picked. Okay, so what if your team's picked up and moved to um, Montreal, say, right? Yeah. That's not a good environment for for for, for Leafs players. They're not home. They're not comfortable. They're not even getting half their time there. Yep. Okay. You, you can't actually put them in that position and expect the hockey to be what it is. It's not about what we're conditioned to. It's about what they're conditioned to. And again, I'll say I don't care how much they're getting paid. There is there is a quality, of, a way of things, how things work. And, I mean, think about superstitions and all this stuff. Some of these hockey players are superstitious. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just a big... Well, let me, throw, let me throw one more thing. Like, I'm going to fly in the ointment, so to speak, here. Um, what happens if... You know, they do decide to have the travel gen, but one city is deemed, uh, and I'll throw it out there, say Arizona, is deemed, uh, you know, unable to be played in, and the Coyotes have to play out of some other city and share a venue with another team. Does that then become a viable situation? Or if multiple teams can't play out of their home state or home province because of Corona, um, does it become a viable thing that you hub them up with someone, um, either until it gets better or until they're either out of the playoffs or whatever it is. Does that become a viable option? Because you do have to get these games in, but if they can't play in their home rink, there has to be a solution. And one solution is to hub them up with another team and just split the home dates. Okay, well, I mean, that would, that would, be, that would come down to um, like the team itself, the GM, I guess. But I still don't think it's fair to ask the players of that um, to just completely shift their life. No, and I agree with you 100%. And that's why they had the opt-out. And I'm, I'm going to ask this one question, and we'll, we'll put a bow on this here real quick because obviously we don't want to doom and gloom anything that's not needed to be doomed and gloomed yet because God knows what can happen in the next four months. Um, but I'll say this. Would you be all right if the NHL did come back in some sort of hub-like scenario and gave the players the ability to opt-out but opt-in when their team is allowed to play out of their home venue again. So say they wanted to front load the schedule and get as no. many games in as they could to try to, I guess, speed up the schedule no. a bit and then be able to go back to their home rinks when everything is settled with coronavirus and allow everyone to come back and play them. Would you allow players to do that? No. All in or nothing. Sorry. This is not, it's a team sport. It's not you can't come and go when you want to. If you're afraid of the virus, then just stay home, opt out, period. You're done. That's it. We'll call you when when it's safe to come outside again. But for everyone else, like it's, I, I, I no, sorry. Yeah, no, you can't have you can't have half your team show up and half your team show up later. And, and no, I, I just don't see how that works. I don't see how any team tries to pull that. I don't see. Yeah, no, that's it's not fair. That's not fair. To the rest no, of the teammates. Not at all. Not fair. No, no, it's a fair question. It's one that's going to be asked, though, right? It's one that's going to be presented yeah. if we do get to that crossroads. So well, I, li- I like the honest answers. Make it so the players are, are more like a, appealed. Appeal. What's the word I'm looking for? They're trying to make it so that they're going to say anything to get the players to want to play. Oh, for sure right? they are. They're trying to make it more appealing, for sure. More so, like, to put that stipulation, it's totally not fair. And I think any player, like, I mean, hockey is so, so already so team run anyways. I think most of them will say, you know, we don't agree to this. But who knows? Who knows? They agreed to the bubble. Right? Yeah, no, that's it. But we'll, we'll put a bow, bow on the doom and gloom right now. We'll run through some fun topics here, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, any anyway, you shave it right now, guys. We're looking forward to next season. We're just wanting to, to get all the scary scenarios out of the way. And I look at it like this. I always set my day up like this. If your day starts off crappy, it has a great chance of turning around and being good. So how about we just set it up that we're thinking about it, it's going to be crappy for the next season, and it's going to come out smelling like roses. Let's just put it like that. That's it. <laughs> so look at this here. We, we talked about Washington. We touched on them a little bit just a few moments ago, how they came in, and there's articles out now. They treated it like a vacation. They fired Reardon, which we were going to talk about a couple of weeks ago, but you know connections couldn't be made. But now it comes to light that Gerard Gallant and Mike Babcock have interviewed for the Washington Capitol job I want to specifically focus on Babcock. 
do you think it's right for him to come back into the NHL and coach after what did happen in Toronto? And does he deserve another kick at the can? You guys are going to hate me. Mike Babcock is a tremendous coach. He's from a different era, and he's dealing with a bunch of young punks in Toronto. Not untalented, okay? I, I love a lot of the, the, the young league players, especially especially Lily. But I'm telling you, he doesn't fit their mold. He didn't work. His archaic, his ancient way of coaching does not work. But of, of all the players I've spoke to that I've coached or played under Mike Babcock, they speak nothing but highly of how, how well he knows the game. Does he deserve another chance? Absolutely. Um, but then again, it makes me think about how they keep recycling the same garbage and they don't open the doors for, for new for new uh, you know talent to come up and have a we shot. We talked about that a while ago. <laughs> so, but yeah, but do I think Mike Babcock deserves another shot? Absolutely. He just didn't fit in Toronto. Um, and I think he's a great coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of on board. I I definitely believe he deserves a second chance. Uh, I mean, I've always, I always said even when he was in Toronto, you know, he's just his his way of coaching was not the way the Leafs wanted to play or the way those kids played. That's just not what they were used to, and they definitely weren't used to the uh, the old coaching style mantra, right? So um, it didn't work in Toronto. Things are going to be said. People are, are upset, whatever the case may be. Um, but I definitely think he think he deserves another chance. And I mean, Washington they have that kind of style. They play, they like to play hard nose. I mean, they have skill, but they like to play hard nose. So I, I think it's definitely a fit. I could see I could see him being being a, a good fit for Washington. I look at Washington too, guys, and I look at the players on the roster. There's a lot of guys in their 30s. There's a lot of guys that play the the hard style too. The Tom Wilsons, the kind of players that Mike Babcock would love. The only thing I would say about the Mike Babcock thing is, you know, you listen to. Um, uh, what was his name in Franzen in Detroit when Mike Babcock basically put the fear of God into him and he didn't want to play anymore. Um, and, you know, the Mitch Marner thing that came out with the list and all that crap and apparently it wasn't the first time he'd done it, yada, yada, yada. I just hope for those little things there, those things that you learn from and you become a better person because Mike Babcock has always said that. When you make mistakes, you learn from them and you grow. So if he does get the job, I think you'll see a little bit of a different Mike Babcock in those respects. But I think he'll get the best out of the guys like Ovechkin and Backstrom and you name it. He'll definitely get the best out of that team. And I do think he deserves a second chance in the NHL. And I think he'll get it with the Washington Capitals. Yeah, and I, I'm just going to say this. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, he, he's a very smart man. Uh, he's, he's definitely sat back and watched what's going on in the world and sees what type of world we're living in. So, I mean, uh, it'd be pretty stupid for, for him to go back to uh, such old antics. But I, I definitely think his coaching style would be would be great for Washington. And, um, I mean, it would suck for the least to have to play against him. That would be- <laughs> oh, it might be a little bit more motivation, especially for Team Dubas, but who knows. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I look at this one here, guys, and this was kind of funny. Obviously, Pierre Maguire is named for a lot of things, but in Arizona, we were talking about this in the group chat, you know, they have missed payments for, for staffers and for bonuses. They seem to want to make sure that their money is kept in check, and Pierre Maguire would be a guy that, you know, you can bring in probably on the cheap because he'd want to get his foot back in the door for the NHL um, and be behind, uh, you know, building a team, getting it to where it needs to be. Uh, is he the most qualified? Probably not, but does he come with a lower price tag? Yes. And why do I mention that? When the Arizona Coyotes had the option for either paying a huge fine or paying draft picks and other things for their punishment for the combine testing, they opted to go with draft picks. So it shows the league and shows everyone. And this comes from Elliot Friedman, which obviously widely respected source in the NHL, that they don't have the cash to be being paying extra and this guy is going to come in, probably cut costs, and be a cheap replacement himself. So I'm wondering for you guys, what do you think of Pierre Maguire? Is it just smoke and mirrors, or is he actually going to be going in there and going in at a low price tag? I, I, don't, I don't think it's a good move by Arizona to bring him in, cheap or not. I, I, I don't know. I just don't think he's... I don't think he's, he's all there in his head. I, I don't it's, think it's, so either. And it's, it makes me, because like, he's, he's the type of person, like, he's going to make choices. He's going to pick, like, pick up players that, you know, are attached to him, like, in some sort of, like, emotional, or I, I don't know the right word I'm looking for, but he's not, he's not business. He's a petty man. I'll say that much. You know, like, I, I mean, if Arizona was listening, I, I would take over the role and improve your team. For just living expenses, so I'm just gonna put that out there. Ooh, <laughs> there it is, right I mean, there. 
Easy. It's definitely an interesting one. I mean, Pierre Maguire, he's been around the game for a long time. He's been an advisor in the Maldonado. He spent his time around the league. But for Arizona, I think I feel – I'm going to say this. I feel it's more they just want a guy that they can sit there and kind of run the show through him and just have him there. And I think they're like, yeah, Pierre Maguire, he'll come over here and kind of, you know, get his foot back in the door and enjoy the GM tag or whatever whatever we give him and give him some bucks, right? But, I mean, I don't see him really being effective or, you know, really putting together any masterful roster that's going to tear Arizona out of what they've been doing. You don't gain respect in an already struggling organization by hiring Pierre Maguire. So you look at Arizona and you look at the, uh, the the punishment that was handed down by the NHL, and I'll say it was definitely steep, and they opted for the picks. I mean, you lose a second this year, a first next year. Um, I'll start with you, Jen. What do you think about the punishment the Arizona Coyotes got? Was it enough for the outside combine testing, or should they have been even harder on the Arizona Coyotes? Uh, I think it was a little harsh, personally. I mean, people mess up, whether it be intentional or not, and they figure they should what they could get away with kind of thing but I mean like I think I don't know I think the way things are fined or handed out within the league and and different in every area are they're just kind of insane um I don't know I think they should have been I don't know probably written up and warned and then maybe fined the second time (laughs) Kyle what do you think buddy I mean it is touchy though I mean like in, in a sense, I get, yeah, okay, they broke the, you know, gassies and rules or whatever the case may be, but, um, I mean, no fault for them to trying. I mean, Al's <laughs> trying to gain an edge, trying to, trying to find some way, right? I mean, uh, it, it looks bad on their part, yeah, giving up the draft picks, but I guess, you know, they, they believe in a young core that they're building or whatever they got going on there. So, I mean, you know, is it a little hefty? Yeah, I guess so it is. I mean, you know, two draft picks, whatever, you know. I mean, I could have I could have settled for one and you know give them a pick this year, next year, kind of like like Ottawa or whatever. Right? So uh, it's just, it, it sucks. I mean, it's just the whole downward effect for for Arizona, and I mean, it just keeps getting piled on. And um, I mean, I, I guess at this point you're just going to suffer, and we're just going to have to uh, see how it goes. Listen, I'll say this: in, in the league has tried and tried and found multiple owners and different venues and tried as much as they could to make it successful in the desert. I think eventually you need to take this team off life support and move it to somewhere that it's going to be successful, whether that's in Texas or that's in you know Quebec City or wherever is a better viable market. It's not working there. It hasn't worked there. Um, not only do they not build successful teams, but the fanfare isn't exactly there either. So I don't know. For me, I think the Arizona Coyotes need to need to pack their bags and find somewhere else to play. But I told you guys that I'd be bringing back, and this is part one of it, the yes or no game. So we're going to do two players off of the Arizona Coyotes to see if they come back. Uh, Jen, you first. I'll go Darcy Kempfer. Oh, I'm, I'm, I, I missed what you said. Sorry, you cut out. No problem. I'm saying we bring him back the old yes or no game. This is part one of it. For the Arizona Coyotes, are they bringing back Darcy Kempfer? Oh, uh, Jesus. I, I'm going to say no. Kyle. No. <laughs> Quick. All right, Taylor Hall. Does he resign in the desert or does he find a new home? I think he stays. Whoa. He's gone. He's gone. He's, he's, gone. he's getting out of Dodge. <laughs> I think he stays. I, I he has was... no success anywhere. He's got to commit somewhere. He just becomes circling top around the league. I don't know. Uh, I'll maybe, say this. Maybe McGuire can keep him. <laughs> you know, McGuire is the man of the ass tap, so maybe he gets a nice pat on the ass and says he'll stay. Um, I go like this. I say Darcy Kemper stays. I say Taylor Hall goes. And Kyle, you're going to hate me for this one. He goes to the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, gosh. That's just horrible. Yeah. <laughs> He's not evil. Uh... <laughs> I could just, I feel it. For some reason, they got cap space. They need a little bit more offensive push. And you add a guy like Taylor Hall. He helps your power play. He helps your top six. He checks all the boxes. 
Um, he likes playing. He's played in a Canadian market. He knows the Canadian he media. He checks all the boxes, eh? But he doesn't ever shine his full potential. But here's the thing. You look at the the, uh, the Montreal Canadiens and you look at the players on that squad. Some of them are coming up. You look at Suzuki. Um, you look at uh, Kakanyemi. But you already have players like Tatar. You have players like Domi and Gallagher there. He doesn't need to be the absolute focal point of the offense. When he went to the New Jersey Devils, it was a Taylor Hall show. When he was in Edmonton, before McDavid got there, it was a Taylor Hall show. And when he went to Arizona, the expectations were high because Arizona wasn't a playoff spot. It was a Taylor Hall show again because Phil Kessel is older. You know, he's not that focal point anymore. So I always said this about Phil Kessel, and I'll say the same thing about Taylor Hall. He is a great complimentary piece. He is not the piece to run your show. He's not the face that runs the place. He's the guy that you add to get you over the top. Yeah, he's been the Taylor Hall show for the last three teams he played for prior to McDavid. Literally. Everybody goes to the Taylor Hall show. That's it. So that's what I mean. This guy here is... But is that the problem is what I'm saying? Yeah, I think so. I I definitely think so. It's the Taylor Hall show. It's not the, you know, the New Jersey Devils show or the Arizona, whatever, whatever show. You know what I mean? Like... No, but what I'm saying when I say the Taylor Hall show, I'm not saying that it's you know he's got that bravado and he's got that thing. I'm just saying that that problem, that way, that might be an actual like it might be more of a cancer than an actual addition. Like a character flaw. Basically. Well, you know what? Maybe you're right on that one. I just look at it like this. I mean, there's some players that like to be able to play their game and not be you know not to have the spotlight shone on them. And Phil Kessel was one of those guys. He, you know, he put up the numbers in Toronto, but Toronto didn't have success. He went to to Pittsburgh, and Jen, you should know. I mean, he was underneath guys like Crosby and Malkin. He wasn't the focal point. He was an act. You know, he's a, the accessory for those guys. He was a nice player to put on a wing or put on a third line when you had the HPK line. You know, you could put him up and down your roster. He didn't need to be that one guy to run everything through. So maybe the same things for Taylor Hall because same things were said about Kessel. You know, he's a guy that. Is a cancer in your locker room, or you can't play with him, or you can't win with him. But you know, then he goes to a team where he's not that guy, and all of a sudden he becomes that guy that wins two cups. So I don't know, maybe the same for Taylor Hall, but Jen, maybe you're right. Maybe you just can't win with this guy. Well, I'm, I'm saying it's like the same thing with McDavid. Like for someone that's so good, from what I've seen with him, um, not while he's playing, he's got a horrible attitude problem. So possibly Taylor Hall has the same thing. And when you have a bad attitude problem, you don't win. So. Hang on. I know that was a little... Uh, I'm, I'm going to put it yeah. together like this, but you just put a thought in my head. So I'm going to name some names that had attitude problems that came out of the Edmonton situation then forayed into the league. Nail Yakupov, attitude problem when he was in Edmonton. Jordan Eberle. Yeah. Taylor Hall. Yeah. James yeah. Neal. Yeah. You, you now name uh, Connor McDavid. So yeah. is it the fact that they started in Edmonton in such a jaded situation that it made them that way? going into the rest of their career, setting themselves up for failure. You look at Magnus Pierre Spetson, another player, said that he had a bad attitude, went to Ottawa. People love him in Ottawa. He's not having great success, but still. But then you look at the uh, the young guy they took third, uh, I think it was third overall or fourth overall. Um, I, I forget his name, it escapes me, but he had two shoulder surgeries, you know, and he's unhappy in Edmonton, but they say that he has a bad attitude. So I'm seeing a whole lot of players out of Edmonton that have a bad attitude, but, you know what I mean? Maybe it's something in the water. Maybe it's something in the drinking water in Edmonton that taints these guys going in. And look at Connor McDavid. How how frustrated would you be to be anointed the next kind of great one, but you can't have any success because the organization is not building anything around you. They're just burying themselves with bad contracts and bad deals. So, yeah, it would make you jaded. It would make you upset. And same thing with Taylor Hall and Eberle. You know, the only guy who seemed to, like, kind of loof around and be a bubbly little guy is, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. You know, he just stuck it out and just kept going. Throws a smile on and keeps on moving. He he reminds me of James Reimer in a sense, you know, always smiling and having fun. But maybe there's something in the water in Edmonton and when these guys get out of there, maybe they have some success and have some fun. I look at Ebbs in Long Island, not doing too bad. Um, Taylor Hall, obviously, the the Devils weren't primed for success when he was there. Neither were the Arizona Coyotes. No offense, business, but those guys weren't ready to rock and roll. The, you know, the team getting Kessel and things like that's nice, but you need a lot more. And I don't know. I look at I look around the league and say maybe Taylor Hall going to a place like Montreal with a leader like Shea Weber, a goaltender like Carey Price, 
Guys like Galley and Domi and Kock and Yemi and Suzuki. Guys that have shown already that they'll lay it on the line after they traded off all these guys at the deadline and still went to beat a disinterested Pittsburgh Penguins, but still beat them. You know, maybe he goes and gets himself added to that lineup and sees, hey, this is what you need to play for. This is the way you're supposed to play and have a little fun. And yeah, I'm going off on a tangent, but Jen, you put it in my head. I just thought of all these bad, you know, attitude players. I was like, man, they've all come out of Edmonton. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I ranted. Give me a minute, okay? Jeez. Um, so we'll move we'll move to the next thought here. Obviously, we just talked about Pittsburgh for a second with the uh, talk of Kessel, um, Matt Murray, uh, Matt Murray, Matt Murray, um, a Murray. Pre- yeah, Matt Murray, you know, boy, he's Matt Murray there you know? over in Pittsburgh. Eh? Uh, he seems to be on the way out. Um, obviously, there's been reports that there's a deal already done on the table once his arb goes through. Um, Jen, you're, you're a Penguins fan. We talked about Murray before. We did the yes or no. You said he was coming back. Um, the writing looks to be on the wall, and it may even be the Toronto Maple Leafs who get him, but there's several teams apparently oh, on the hook. Kill him. On the hook. So what do you, what do no, you think? The biggest mistake Jim Rutherford does is get rid of Matt Murray because you've got two, I mean, you've got two really good goalies underneath Murray, but they're so new. They're way too new. Right, um, and I don't know. I mean, I personally think Jim Rutherford's trying to just bury this team. Um, but with Murray, the problem with Murray is his confidence is gone. So you pick him up and you move into a new market, and one like Toronto, oh, uh, he's done. He's done. He will not come back to Toronto. I mean, the biggest mistake him, his agent, GMs, whatever do. Um, I, I'm, I'm very about this because I do like Murray and I, I know the potential that he has and that he can be like brought back to life um, with the right coaches. But So do you think that yeah. Pittsburgh kind of boondoggled this a little bit this season with having guys like you know Tristan Jerry and Casey Smith basically at times this season supplant him on the, the depth chart and you know pass him and you know he's sitting you know when he should be playing and I don't know. Confidence for a goaltender and I've said this to both of you before between the years for a goalie is huge. You know, that's the, the biggest thing. And if you don't have that, like you just mentioned, you throw him to a team like Toronto or you throw him into a market, just say uh, Edmonton, if he's going to be the savior, or Colorado, who is interested in him as well. You know, you throw him into these markets that expect to win and his confidence isn't there, he's going to be eaten alive. And for the Toronto oh, Maple Leafs, it would be the Andrew Raycroft scenario all over again. Oh, boy. <laughs> So I, I know you're heated, but I mean, when we talked before, it was just me throwing it out there. But since we talked, a lot more prominent people have talked about it. And I just was like, wow, okay, this has got some legs now. And I don't know if Pittsburgh makes the move, but they seem to be very antsy. I mean, you see them pull the trigger on the Kapanen deal, and the Leafs got a pretty good haul. Too. So, like, everything he's making is just, it, it, it's frustrating to sit here as a fan and be like, what are you doing, bro? Like, you don't give away a first round. Pick, uh, draft pick. And for us, Kapanen wasn't even a, a top six player. He's a you know, top Kapanen nine. Listen, hey, hey, I'll still defend Cappy. He was great on the penalty kill, got good speed, just didn't have enough finish for uh, for our liking. But maybe, maybe he gets a little bit of a run. I hate him so much. <laughs> Well, you know, it's going to be an interesting time for the uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. <laughs> it's funny because, I mean, everybody was on Dubas the other day, like a, little, a, few, a few days ago, about how, how he, he, he got too much value. He got such good value for, for the Kaepernick trade. And, you know, they kind of, you know, talking like he, he was fleecing people and, and stuff like that. I mean, how can you how can you blame the guy for getting, for getting such a good deal and, and, and getting such a good return for, for, I guess, you know, a top nine forward, I guess you could say he is, or, or an elite penalty killer. Um, but, I mean, to, to pull the trigger on Murray, I feel like it's a, it's, it's, it's unfair to Murray. I mean, they kind of did it in the sense to flurry almost, too. I mean, uh, I mean, for he'd done his thing and, and did what he could for the team, but it just seems like once they once the once they burn him out, it's just like as quick as they can get rid of him, they want to get rid of him. So, um, I mean, does Murray come back in a different team? Sure. Um, and like you guys said, I don't think you send him to a to a market like Toronto and tell him to be your one and 
and and and have him get roasted. I don't think that's going to do him. Oh no, the good. media, the media, and you got you fans with it. Well, well and yeah, yeah, right. I mean, you 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 chump one game, they're all over you. And I mean, is that really going to do anything for your confidence? No. Um, no. Uh, I agree. I think he's got to go to a, maybe a smaller market, play a smaller role, and, and get that confidence back under some new coaching. But uh, yeah. I definitely think it's unfair to Murray for sure. I think um, for for what he's given that team and and you know what he was thrown into. Um, I, I can't. You can't fault the guy. So it sucks. And Jen, you were talking earlier. We'll, we'll move off the Murray thing here and let you calm down for a second. Um, you know, with, with the condensed season and obviously, you know, start dates and all that crap. We're, we're talking about that a few a few moments ago. But um, a lot of the Pittsburgh Penguins that went under surgery, obviously Crosby, Malkin, uh, you said Zach Aston Reese, and a few other guys as well. Um, do you feel? You know, with such a condensed timeline, I know they say these guys will be good in three to four weeks, but we all know to be 100%, it takes a little bit longer. I don't care if you're a super freak athlete. Even McDavid said when he came back from his leg injury, he still was feeling effects, you know, a while into the season and didn't get to 100% until a little bit later. Does that raise any concern for you for these guys who are getting surgery then are going to be expected to go through a shortened training camp? November 17th is when they're targeting that. December 1, they want the puck to drop. Does that flag any concerns for you, Jen, at all for these older players? Honestly, every time Sydney takes the ice, I get, I get still sick. <laughs> so, um, I mean, with his past concussion problems and whatnot, too, mainly. But I think these players have already decided that, you know, I'm hurt, my body's badgered, beaten, but I'm still going to play. And I think it's really up to them. And if they want to do that or not. Um, I mean, they get paid the money to do it, so it's not like they have to go when they retire and go find a job. Yeah. So they can lay it on a beach somewhere and, and, and have all the surgery they need. Um, will the season, I think, I don't think the season being shortened will uh, like affect injuries or make bring more. I think it's just going to remain consistent with injuries. Nothing changes. It's just. We didn't call. Does it change anything or is it the same old beating the drum? No, I think it's him. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, they're they're athletes. They just don't, don't figure it out. I mean, uh, is each individual is different? I mean, you can't really say for everybody or, or for sure. But I mean, I know a couple of players have played with injuries when it wasn't even released. Like coaches didn't even know. Yeah, well, and that's and that's and that's the mindset of a, of a hockey player, especially an old school hockey player. Right. Um, I mean, you get some of these older guys. I mean, I remember back in the day, you told coach you were hurt, you were getting pulled out of the lineup, and you weren't playing, and and the next guy up was getting the shot, right? So, right. Um, a lot of these guys, they feel the same way. They know the pressure, especially of today, and and how and how how tight it is between the next guy that's ready to go. I mean, um, the skill level is just amazing nowadays, and um, I mean, it's easy to just be become the, the next guy that, that's getting sent down or whatever, right? So, um, I mean, it, it's hard it's hard to, to justify either way, but, I mean, um, a player wants to play, and if they want to play, they're going to do everything they can to play, whether whether uh, it's beneficial or not, right? So, uh, it, it's a tough situation, but I think I think for the best, I think they'll, I think, I think they'll figure it out. I think they'll, they'll be okay, and uh, I think the players want to play. So, at the end of the day, they're going to play. Well, I want to ask you about one other guy well, on the injury front. A uh, guy that seems to be absolutely cursed, whether it's missing the Olympics with a broken leg, missing playoffs, <laughs> or just not getting in the lineup, period. And I know you guys probably know who I'm talking about. Steven Stamkos already ruled out for the entirety of the conference final. Um, is this player cursed to be able to play in big-time games for the NHL or his country? I mean, it seems that way to me. I mean, every time it comes up for a big game, Stamkos is out with something. So is Steven Stamkos cursed? I think he should be done. Like, if it's that bad, and it seems to be like, like that for him every year. Yep. It's like, you know what? What's more important? Like, I know he loves to play the game, but he can, he can contribute in another way. At this point, if you're that, if you're that soft, and I, I don't mean that soft in a bad way, I mean like made of glass, better word. Yep. Um, you should be thinking what's more important, like, like the longevity of your life, or... Uh, the hockey, I don't know. I think he should retire. I thought he should have retired a couple of years ago. <laughs> well, and, and this goes right back to the point I was just making. The hockey players, they want to play. They're going to play, and whether it's beneficial to their longevity of their life or not, these guys want to win, and they want to. They want that feeling. And I mean, um, I, I agree. I mean, if you're if you're that injured and you're you're, you're battling this much injury, where you're missing this, 
this much time almost every season and and you know it's just getting worse I mean what are you really doing I, I mean at the end of the day you're Steven Sandfield you, you've made enough money I'm, I'm sure you'll be fine um, I'm sure you'll find something else to do to stay in the game of hockey if you really want to and uh, I mean at this point yeah you got to think about, about about life after hockey but um, it goes back to that point where these guys they, they, they want to win it they're gonna they're gonna do whatever to their body they have to to get back and get into that feeling of winning and being with their team and uh, I'm just gonna say right now the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning are doing a good job of uh, making sure he gets to play again <laughs> yeah well let's hope he can play in the conference final but let's hope he's actually healthy and not put together by duct tape and Jen I agree with you absolutely made a glass um you know he's been injured so much in so many different things I don't want to ever say a premier player should hang it up because when he does play he is a game changer can score big goals he's got that one timer and all those good things that come with Steven Stamkos but if you cannot stay healthy if you cannot keep your body in pristine condition you know, to be able to withstand the rigors of an 82-game season and the playoffs, you know, not only are you kind of holding your team captive with your cap hit, I know you have the LTIR and all that stuff, but if you're constantly going to be out of the lineup, there could be a better way for them to spend whatever they're paying. I think it's $8 million plus. So, I mean, I would like to see Steven Samkos, if he cannot maintain a full season, either get the load management treatment like Kawhi Leonard got, or just be out of it and just hang up the skates and be an advisor or help the team in another way, like Jen said. I think that's the way you got to go. Yeah. He's, he's, he's past his fate here. He doesn't have, a, like you said, a good track record with injuries to stay healthy. So it just makes me nervous. Like, he's another one when he, when he gets on the ice. I'm like, uh, I, don't, I don't feel good. Love my Canadian hockey boys. So. <laughs> well, the, another thing I want to touch on, we've got two subjects left here, folks. Obviously, wrapping towards an hour now, but... Um, Kyle Clifford took out the Toronto Maple Leafs on his bios on the social media. Obviously, fans are just pining for anything hockey. Same thing happened when uh, you know Max Domi did it with Montreal. Everybody went nuts. Now everybody's doing it for Kyle Clifford. Uh, it appears his time is probably done in Leafland. Uh, Kyle, I'll start with you on this one. Is it a mistake for Kyle Dubas to let the physicality and what Kyle Clifford brings to your lineup walk? Uh, I mean, well, I mean, his physicality is definitely uh, on, on the lead roster. And, uh, I mean, it, I've never been one that's been the, the harper of you need to be gritty, you need to be big in the playoffs. I mean, it, it, it does pay off. But, I mean, you see teams like, you know, Tampa Bay, they're not the biggest. I mean, they have, you know, they're big guys. But we got busted. We got, we got some guys that can throw their weight around and, and do damage. So, um, I mean... Do you want to keep a guy like that on your team? Yes. Uh, I mean, that guy, that guy like that in the room, on the ice, just on the bench. Um, you know, he just he just fuels a team, and, and, and he, he brings it every night for for whatever team he's playing for. Um, I mean, for for what he for what he's gonna for his value of what he's gonna contribute um, on the ice and, and and points and what the Leafs need, I, I don't see a, a big reason to uh, be over crazy about keeping him. Um, so. I mean, I enjoyed watching him run into people and, uh, you know, be a gritty guy for the Leafs, but uh, I don't think it's really the direction we need to be in. Um, we got a lot more glaring holes in our, our team that need to be addressed than uh, you could get. But uh, I also heard that uh, Kapanen also was uh, deleting tweets on his on his uh, Twitter feed for Leafs uh, stuff as well, so it's interesting that you brought that up. <laughs> yeah, I guess he wants to uh, erase the memory. He wasn't... Uh... If you guys recall, and we'll, we'll get Jen's answer here on Clifford in just a second, if you look at Casper Kapanen, whenever there was a team thing going on, like when the Raptors were in the playoffs going on the big long run, all the boys were together, but Kapanen wasn't there, and he was always meant to making little jabs and comments under everybody's posts because he was never included. So I'm just wondering if he's kind of the odd ducky out, you know, and didn't exactly like it you know, being on the outside looking in. And I don't know if that's true, but it always seemed that way anyways, but... Um, Jen, oh, you're... that makes me sad. <laughs> well, you you look at it. You look at all those players. You, uh, and the picture I'm remembering in my head, it was Travis Dermott, uh, Zach Hyman, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, Nazem Kadri, and Mo, all at a, a Toronto Raptors game. And obviously, Kapanen lived in Toronto, and uh, they were all at the game. And he commented below that, like, "Hey, where, where's my ticket?" You know. And then it was Mitch and a bunch of the boys going out to a market or something downtown Toronto, and. Again, he commented under that. So, you know, you see those things and people bring it up from time to time. And you're just wondering, you know, 
is there a parallel there? Is he is he just not him with those guys? And you know, he wants to be, and he's kind of like the little lost puppy that nobody wants to bring home. Oh, he's happy. I'm happy he's in Pittsburgh now. I'm going to love him. That sucks. That's yeah. absolutely so bad. Like, I don't care. You've got so much social media, people out there, PR, whatever, whatever, people running the team account. They should be paying attention to stuff like this because this causes divisions. Like, you want your roster to be solid. You know what I mean? So, like, if you see, like, a captain that was looking like he's looking from the outside in, trying to be like, hey, guys, can I play? Can I come to kind of thing? Like, you know, we, we were all that kid when we were younger, not sitting in, not being picked to yep. go somewhere with a group of people, right? And that's not a good feeling. Imagine being that way as an adult with your team. Like, that, that, I don't that makes me angry. No, I'm mad at Toronto now. <laughs> well, then I'll, I'll get your angry response to if Kyle Clifford just stay as a Maple Leaf as after we made that little segue there. I don't care. You can go wherever you want. I'm not at you guys right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to wrap up on a little bit of positive news, have a little fun after uh, I just dragged <laughs> Toronto through the mud and made Kapanen look like a god now over in Pittsburgh. Um, I want to do a little stick taps uh, right now. Congrats to Matt Dumba on winning the Clancy. Um, very yeah. happy that happened. Obviously, he's a leader on and off the ice and what he did when the bubble came back and, you know, addressing everything and coming out on the ice, you know, while different teams were playing and, just leading that message and leading the charge. I want to say, you know, huge stick taps to Matt Dumba on that win. Um, it's not one that I always pay attention to, but this year it does have a little bit of meaning, and it, it went to the right guy. So I want to give stick taps to that one. Definitely some stick taps. All right, well, guys, I want to say, and, and you know, it was hard to get this done, Jenna. I'm glad that we did it a little bit later at night for you to be a part of this one. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so that we get some sleep in, but. This has been fun. We do it Mondays. We do the round table. Obviously, everybody enjoys it. I showed you guys, you know, the responses from people, and we get the same stuff every week. So it's great to have both of you on, get your perspectives, and cannot wait to do it again next Monday. I uh, hope everyone has a safe week. Stay out of COVID's mess. Stay out of its web. And, uh, Jen, get some sleep, eh? Yeah, everybody be good. Talk to you guys soon.